Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, Hello. I'm Hannah, this is Kelty, we're Upbringing, we're here tonight for our live Q&A to talk about... What do we like talking about? Spirited and sensitive kids, how yes. they're magical unicorns. We like talking yeah. about parenting outside white patriarchy and trying yeah. to basically divest from these organizations, these institutions of oppression um, that we don't believe in, whether it's a school type situation, whether it's at home, whether it's through our discipline, using powers beyond control to teach our kids to stay connected, to grow up alongside them. Mm-hmm. That's our personal work. And then the other work is just seeing our kids so differently. And I mm-hmm. love talking about that angle too, Kel, as you're coming on in. Let us know what's going on, what challenges are going on for you um, so that we can talk about them and move through them together. You're not alone in those challenges. But talking about challenges, it's about us. It's about our sensitive and spirited kids who really put us to the test. They put mm-hmm. our skills to the test, our patience to the test, our wherewithal, our mental health, right? And our and really like call us into kind of yeah. that's up our game I was going to say that's that's our conventional conditioning that says that we're put to a test of sorts. Mm. And I like that you're saying more that we're called in, that we're invited Mm -hmm. by their resistance, by the challenging behaviors and big feelings to grow up ourselves, to build skills, to basically um, kind of cultivate the things that we were never necessarily given or uh, the skills that weren't necessarily valued when we were kids Mm -hmm. um, to be able to support our kids better Mm -hmm. as unique neurodiverse sensitive, spirited, authentic humans, mm-hmm. however they show up in whatever way. So that's our goal, right? Mm-hmm. And then we like talking on these live Q&As, which become our podcast, also upbringing, uh, it's called, um, to talk about what that looks like. What is our mm-hmm. role? So we, we go really heavy on the beliefs and making sure they're aligned with our progressive values. And then our goals that we talk about so mm-hmm. often that aren't just harmony, obedience, perfection, <laughs> compliance, those sound right. really quiet nice times. Sure they do, but they don't actually support our kids' optimal growth or our relationship building, right? They can actually mm-hmm. undermine those things. So I like talking about our role. How do we show up in these moments when our kids resist, when they refuse to be doing hygiene, bedtime, uh, eating vegetables, homework, moving out of the house, getting in that car seat, mm-hmm. you know, leaving their sibling alone, all of these areas that are really, really challenging and that uh, kind of bring out this um, this conditioning in us that bring out trauma from our own upbringings, right? Um, that lead us into a role very often that just doesn't feel right, that doesn't feel good. It comes very <clears throat> instinctually, but it doesn't always feel that good because we know deep down very often 
that it's not doing us any justice, right? And it's not supporting our kid in the way that we want to either. Yeah. So our role is a really big one. And we love talking about that at these live Q and A's as you guys kind of bring your challenges um, in there, we kind of rapid fire improv a little yeah. bit, right? Yeah. And I think in talking about that role and moving into these questions that everyone's bringing in, what we like to talk about for our role in these challenging situations with our kids is that of sensitive support staff. Right. So it's so easy for us, whether it's a sibling issue or resistance or angry words or hitting or biting or spitting or anything to revert to our cultural conditioning, which says be the police, be Shut the judge, jury, hall monitor, right? Um, all of those things, right? Get, get your power and privilege up here, which is you've been taught to believe is permission mm -hmm. and influence them, motivate them right. to do what you need. Maintain the hierarchy. Right. And I think that's that our, our all automatic, of, all of our training, all of our, um, all of our work as, um, as people growing up, all the research says kids learn in safe psychological spaces. Right where they feel connected to an attachment figure so that asks us to be a different role. We're going to try to be that sensitive, neutral <clears throat> support staff in all those moments that we feel anything but neutral. Let's be honest. Um, and ask. we're going to walk through all of these situations, how to be that sensitive support staff mm -hmm. instead of that judge, that jury, that police, that hall monitor, all of those things that feel like shit. Like you said, Anne. Mm -hmm. someone said we had a hitting incident first time with my sensitive five-year-old son. Friend's mom used the word bully to him. Oh. I told her it was a super stressful weekend. So probs more of that, although hitting him was not okay, but how do I handle another mom friend and support the son? Yes. Oh, that is a great question. We actually question. had two other questions about hitting. Can we throw yeah. those in right now? Hand? Sure. We could read all three mm -hmm. and, and talk about the hitting situation and the, the judgments about uh, what that means, right? The fear in our own mind that lead, can lead us to kind of spiral out with, with concern. What do we say? What do we do? Yeah. Um, oh, was it the, the button here? Yeah. Somebody wrote in. Um, let's see. Hitting parents. This is new, and I know I've heard the solution before, but now I'm blanking. And mm -hmm. I should clarify, not parents hitting, but my toddler hitting us. He slapped my glasses off. Mm. Yeah, that's so hard. And then aggressive play has been a problem. Someone else says, no matter how much prevention I try. Wasn't there one of the bigger ones that was also <clears throat> a hitting one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Bip -bip -bip. Thanks for bearing with us. Hitting is so triggering. Oh, oh yeah. And <clears throat> so hard to for that to happen for the first time when your kid is five just kind of out of the blue. Yeah. Someone else says, I'm so grateful to have found you both. I'm familiar with Rye and practice a lot of their principles. I've been binge watching your videos specifically about hitting, but I can't quite find my specific circumstance or maybe I'm overthinking it. My 16 month old son started hitting about two weeks ago and is now doing it every day. He hits me about once a day when he wants something and doesn't get it. Hits little friends at the park sometimes when they're in his space too much or take something he was using. He has a great grasp of language, but I can't yet ask him what he needs. So I'm left confused at times on how best to help him. Do I just use my mom intuition and see how I can soothe him? I feel like I've gone from relaxed mom to helicopter mom in fear of him hitting another kid. Thank you for resources. Yeah. Oh, I love this. We've got the 16 month old hitter. We've got a three year old hitter. We've got this five year old hitter for the first time. Yeah. This is such a range. Mm -hmm. What do we think about hitting? Generally speaking, <sighs> hitting, hitting. Is okay. Totally normal, natural, necessary, all good, valuable learning opportunity. If we can show up in a way that supports it, right? That works with our child, that gets to the root cause. Mm -hmm. So, what does that look like with hitting? Let's but talk about it a also, little. So, what do we believe about hitting? Hitting oh, isn't talk. necessarily yeah. like we've been conditioned to believe. No hitting, gentle hands. Be nice. Don't be a bully, right? We don't do that in our family, right? right? But I think that what we're trying to work on here at Upbringing, based on everything we've read, all of our trainings, all the research out there is that hitting is an absolutely developmentally appropriate stress response for a lot of ages. Yeah. It's all <clears throat> good, right? Hitting, we have to think with these 16-month-olds and three-year-olds and five-year-olds mm -hmm. is their version of crying and saying, mama, papa, mm -hmm. right? It's their developmentally appropriate way of expressing their stress when the demands of the world exceed their abilities to cope, right? Mm -hmm. And developmentally, they express that stress in fight, in flight, in freeze, in fawn, right? And most kids will either run away, flight, or they'll fight, right? And hit, right? 
So that's what we do. And kids, as they get older, might fight with their words instead mm -hmm. of with their hands, right? They might ignore instead of run away. That's another way for flight, right? Mm -hmm. Of avoiding stress. Mm -hmm. But it's a stress response. Hitting is a stress response, everybody. Yeah. That's what's going on. So I think how do we show up as that sensitive support staff when our kids are hitting? So let's right. talk about that in the moment. Well, so thinking about if we think of hitting as a stress response, just like crying uh, like a baby would, what do we do to calm a baby? We create safety, right? And then we create security with our, our presence and our attachment. So we pick them up so they're safe, they can feel safe, and mm -hmm. then we soothe, right? To de-escalate their stress, bring them back to a sense of balance in their bodies where they can grow and learn and feel safe and where they're showing them that when they have that heightened arousal, they can bring it back down. And so we're that co-regulator for our babies. And the same thing applies with the 16-month-olds, the three-year-olds, the five-year-olds, the eight-year-olds, the ten-year-olds. There's a six-year-old right? here. Yeah. I have a hitting incident as well tonight. <clears throat> My six-year-old daughter was mad at me at bedtime. And when she gets mad, she hits yeah. me. I practice conscious parenting so I don't punish her. I want to, the previous person said, I want to support mm -hmm. him as best as possible. But I feel terrible for my um, daughter who just wants to be friends with her brother or feel comfortable in her own home. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I love that you're saying that, Hannah. It's all the same. It's all so the same. So whether it's a baby crying, whether it's a year-old baby wigging out, whether it's an older kid hitting, whether it's a, targeting you, a 10-year-old targeting saying a chair, you're the worst mom, targeting or a hate a, school, a sibling, it's slamming all, doors, anything. It's all stress, and it all mm -hmm. needs our loving side-by-side -side support, right? And our focus, rather than on shutting down and punishing the behavior which usually just increases stress and reduces learning, we want to do the opposite of our instinct in these moments to say, how can I reduce stress throughout my, my relational security, just like I did when they were a baby? So again, I'm going to create safety. So I'm going to stop hands. I'm going to create space. If my child is wily and hitting mm -hmm. me now, I'm, I'm, when they're upset, I probably won't be holding them because that's, I'll get And that's hit, what happens. Right? Like when, yeah. the, when your kid slaps your glasses off your face, you're like, noted. Yeah. Okay, feedback. I'm getting a little close, too close in right these moments now. when they're dysregulated right now or yeah. lately. Yeah. So I'm going to create a little more space or noted when I hear this high pitched sound and they're near their sibling, <clears throat> I'm going to get in there pretty quick to see if I can create a little space. Noted when they run away, I know they're going for the China cabinet. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go over there and keep everybody safe. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the safety thing that number one. And then next we soothe, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that's what we do is we use our presence and our attachment as their co-regulator to vibe their shit down, mm -hmm. to chill them out. Which is so hard because usually yeah. we're wigging out at this point yeah. inside. So we have to self-regulate to co-regulate and soothe. Yeah. And, but and if we believe it's natural, normal, necessary, necessary, valuable, it can help I was going to say that, Hannah, that yeah. it all begins with those beliefs and yeah. our mantras can really come in handy. This is not an emergency they're doing exactly what they need to do. They're struggling right now. They need yeah. help right now. They're feeling stressed right We're now. We're going to get through this. It's all okay. Yeah. This is a learning opportunity. I just mm -hmm. have to keep them safe. We'll, we'll process later. Mm -hmm. The learning happens later. Yeah. So many of those that we have uh, in our shop, um, in our little mini guides, we have a lot of those written out and also mm -hmm. on our Instagram here as well with those side-by-sides. Um, but I think it's just, it's hard and it's very triggering and it's tricky. Mm -hmm. And I think, like you said, Kelty, we have to be aware of our own capacity to support our children in these moments mm -hmm. and notice ahead of time, those times where they lose their shit more and they're wanting to hit their, their sibling, <laughs> us, the home, any at that. the park. And we have to make sure we're prepared and our capacity is at a level where we can support them because it's our job, right. y'all. It's our job. Yeah, so setting them yeah. up for success by setting ourselves up for success right. too. Maybe let's not go to Target at five. Right. Maybe let's not put them in a sibling dynamic situation right before nap. Right. All of these things we can be thinking of. Maybe let's make a little space if I'm seeing they're getting ramped up. And I think I, uh, we can be having conversations <clears throat> with our kids outside that moment. I remember my daughter was like the 16 month old, biting, hitting. And I remember at a certain point being like, get on board, Kelty. Like, this is what's going on right now. She's hitting, she's biting, she's attacking this kids. Is how she's at the playground. Her stress. Right. This is all okay. It just means that I either need to not go to the park as much if I can't handle it mm -hmm. or be there nearby. I'm like her bodyguard. I'm like her super wingman being like, my job is to protect her, right? Yeah. Save my, her this from is herself. My job. I am there. Hey, hey, Elliot. This is our job in those moments is to be our kid's wingman. 
not their like punishing squad, but to be like, I am here. Right. We talk often about like tantruming kids. Same goes with hitting kids. Can you Mm -hmm. imagine it? Like your tipsy best friend where you're like, I am on this. Mm -hmm. I am there before she goes down the stairs. I am there before she goes and talks to that person. I am smoothing things over. I I saw this a mile away. Oh my gosh. And I preempted stuff and I'm on it and I'm cared for myself so I can support them. That's our job, you guys. I Mm -hmm. keep saying that. It's our job. Like, let's do this. And so what does our job look like? Let's go into our role a little bit in these moments Mm -hmm. when our 16 month old, like we heard is, is hitting, uh, friends at the park and, uh, parents when the three year old is hitting, pulling Mm -hmm. glasses off parents' faces. And when the five year old's also hitting friends and we we go about it pretty much the same way. Mm -hmm. And we, which I would say, generally speaking is more about our presence than about um, so showing versus telling, we don't give a lot of information in these moments mm-hmm. because when our kids are hitting, their brains are not in a receptive place where they can be hearing, where they're listening, where they're understanding, mm-hmm. where they're thinking, where they're judging. All of the focus is on the back of their brain in their reaction mode, right? So our whole goal is to calm. So we can talk about it later. We can teach later. We can do a little symbolic play. We can do all that mm-hmm. fun stuff later. But in the moment, what we're teaching is self-regulation. And we're teaching it by co-regulation. So mm-hmm. our body needs to be relaxed. Our face needs to look calm, not like stricken or mm-hmm. annoyed mm-hmm. or uh, any of those things, right? And so and our, our, our body language needs to be down at their level if we can, mm-hmm. as relaxed as we can, just like when they were babies. Mm-hmm. We didn't look at them like, what the <laughs> fuck are you crying about? This is crazy. Maybe or maybe some we of did, did. Some, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> but we tried to say, oh, baby, what are you needing? I'm mm-hmm. here. This and is normal way for a baby we, to cry. I think that's we because we, them. we believed it's normal for a baby to cry, but we don't believe it's okay for yeah. a kid to hit or bite or right. do whatever. And it's totally it's okay. Um, yeah. I think that we, in one of our coaching sessions this week, we gave permission to, um, to the couple that their kids, uh, really angry, triggering, like, uh, slightly sociopathic sounding words. Um, they were going to grow out of those. Um, and then last week we gave permission to a family to say these, um, aggressive behaviors are going to end. They will, kids will move through them and they're going to move through them no matter what, probably likely. Mm-hmm. But if we're using control, which we call the control toolbox, consequences on my terms, now threats, rewards, overpower, lecture, shame, blame, spanking, timeouts, those types of things, they might learn that, that their behavior focus, they might learn, okay, stop that behavior they're missing a lot of other learning. And so that's why we focus and on their okay. learning to feel ashamed, to feel less than, to feel that they, when they can't control their impulses, they're loved less. Right. They're learning how they things. can't trust us. Yeah. They can't express themselves with other people Safely. and safe relationships. Yeah. They're learning a lot of things we don't actually want them to learn. So that's why we talk about the resist approach, which is available on our website, where it's walking them through that conversation and that process. They can go any kind of way. It's very non-binary. It's very fluid of saying, how can I support you? How can we move through? And I model mm-hmm. the co the, the regulation, the communication, the safety that you will take with you for the rest of your life into every mm-hmm. inner conflict <clears throat> and outer conflict. Yeah. Getting back to that role too. We think so much like we were talking in our last spirited kids club. What's the role you're channeling in these hard moments when your kids are wigging out and saying really wild things or hurting each other or hurting you or whatever it is? What's the role you're channeling? If you don't want to be the police, the judge, the jury, the hall monitor, all those things that feel like shit and, and get, get us into that control binary, right? Um, what, who do you want to be? What does sensitive support staff mean to you? <clears throat> a lot of people have an avatar. A lot of people think I'm, <clears throat> my name's Grace and I'm this person, or I picture <clears throat> putting a hat and a badge on and I'm support staff. Or <clears throat> some people, um, really like picturing being sort of an EMS responder. Like an EMS responder doesn't show up to the scene of a, a car accident and they're like blame people. Like, what are you doing? You broke your leg and you drove right into her. What were you thinking? This is ridiculous. This is not okay. <laughs> right. EMS responders come on the scene being like, some shit's going and down. You, you, this, seen this, this. a million times. <laughs> right. My, my aura is going to affect everyone else's and I'm going to get stuff done to keep everyone safe and make sure everyone's all right. That's my number one job. The idea is what kind of conscious roles can we be embodying rather mm-hmm. than unconscious roles? I love and that. I think that so much about it is we embody unconsciously our mom. Mm-hmm. We embody unconsciously our coach. We embody mm-hmm. unconsciously 
basically authority figures and institutions that abused their power and didn't support the people beneath them who were struggling. Mm-hmm. And so here, so much about that showing up in a sensitive support staff in a way is incredibly democratic. It's incredibly respectful. Mm-hmm. It's, it has a lot of trust involved. And it's more of like, like you said, an EMS. It's, it's someone who's there to serve and support the person who's struggling and not center themselves in it mm-hmm. and have their own agenda at hand mm-hmm. and over that other person, a mediator, a therapist, uh, the, the most ideal teacher we could possibly have, mm-hmm. uh, a wise sage. Yoda, I was just going to sure. say. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yoda in there. Sure. Miyagi, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever you can connect to in your mind that feels like a safe kind of mm-hmm. persona to embody. Yeah. And then part of that uh, original question with the five-year-old was, you know, one of the other parents had called her son who'd hit a bully. And I think that that's like, oh my God, that would have made me a bully, if whatever that means. I, if my kid had been called something like that by a parent. And I think the word bully mm-hmm. is so hot right now. And everyone wants their kid to know what bullying is and what they should stand up for. And they don't want their child to be the bully. And it's like, it's so, um, it's, it's such a triggering word. And I think that we just go back to struggling, whether it's our kid, whether it's another kid who's hurting them or yelling at them, they're struggling, I mean, right? We, we want to be operating from a place of empathy and compassion with yeah. boundaries. That might lead us into our next question, sure. actually. But I think so much about the model of resist rather than of control in our parenting and discipline practices is not based in punitive justice. Mm-hmm. It's based in, in restorative and even transformative justice measures mm-hmm. in saying, I'm going to see the pain and suffering this person is dealing with, and I'm going to forgive them and connect with them and even support them, set my boundaries, do my things, Mm -hmm. right? But I'm going to help them restore or, or uh, repair what's going on. Yeah. Right. But, but punishing isn't actually uh, the solution to any of these things because it doesn't work with humans and it doesn't grow humans. Right. Yeah. Someone, someone said, said, Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. Someone said, I also realized that my attitude also had a lot to do with triggering her to hit. Sometimes we also have a lot to do with their behavior. Oh man. More than we can possibly recognize or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a lot sometimes where we're just like, I can't, I can't acknowledge I can't go there. my own role in this. But I think the today, more we do right it, now, like, I feel like the, yeah. the more we, we kind of analyze how we may have contributed to a situation or our impact, mm-hmm. the art of the impact of our behavior in a situation, the more comfortable we get in saying like, Ooh, right. kind of yeah. stepped in that one or Ooh, yeah. I think when I said this thing or when I used this tone, that might have done this. And I think that that's part of our work is separating ourselves, separating our ego to float above a situation mm-hmm. and pull it apart without any shame or blame, which none of us was conditioned. Well, every, every moment of conflict for mm-hmm. the most part growing up had those elements of shame and blame right. and that, and really created that difficulty for us in examining a critical situation and our culpab- potential culpability in it, mm-hmm. within it. Or responsibility. I think so yeah. much about this is saying, we're, if we're looking at our kids with unconditional love and acceptance, can we not do the same for ourselves? I love that. Yeah. And we're going to approach situations all the time in different ways. And we're going to see what that impact is. And if we actually want to learn and be able to turn towards it and focus on it and work on it, we can't have the fear of being less than or unloved. And the same with our kids. And I that's why it. we turn toward them in their challenges mm-hmm. with love and acceptance so that they will work on their shit and grow up. And we're doing the same for ourselves in those moments too. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. for each other. Yeah. This is like a perfect little like commercial break to say, it's okay if you yell. Yeah. It's okay if you're using the control toolbox. Yeah. We're all practicing not doing that. Right. It's all okay. We give you grace. We forgive you. <clears throat> we trust that you're working. If you're here, you're paying attention. You're building your awareness and your skills. You give a shit about changing these inherited legacies of control. And it's right. awesome. Well, and these inherited legacies of control are based in um, control, fear, and perfection, right? And so much about our work here at Upbringing is upending those. And instead of control, we're talking about connection, mm-hmm. right? Instead of fear, we're talking about trust. And instead of perfection, we're talking about progress. And so we have to apply not those things just to our, our kids and our toddlers and our babies, but also to ourselves in this process as well, right? We we matter too. We're an integral part of this work yeah. for sure. And it goes back and forth a lot. Something like wonderful and liberating about leveling that playing field and just being like, we're all just humans. We're all just struggling. We're all just learning. Right. We're all, it's okay. There's no failure. There's no fucking up. There's no mistakes. We think Mm -hmm. of it completely neutrally as saying it's all learning Mm -hmm. because if we can think of it in a safe way, 
in a positive, approachable way, we're going to work on it. We're going to grow through it rather than run away from it, right? Yeah. Avoid it, deny it, defend it, mm-hmm. right? That's where everybody's That's where fragility comes from. Right, exactly comes yeah. from is a feeling that their, their behavior is connected to their value. And that's what conventional discipline and punitive justice come from as well as mm-hmm. saying who you are and your value as a human is connected to what you do and what you Determined say. Determined by. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's not productive at all, right? It's really detrimental. So we're doing a lot of reworking here with literally just our 16-month-olds, our three-year-olds, our five-year-olds, mm-hmm. our 10-year-olds. It is really fucking amazing work you guys are doing yeah, right now. And I want to shout out to all the <clears throat> the community members here at Upbringing Two who yeah. don't even have kids and who show up at these lives and who DM us about their aha moments in their own personal growth, who I just love so much and appreciate you being here so much, whether you intend to have children, if you don't want to be a parent, Mm -hmm. like whatever way, thank you for being here too, because it is all connected, not just between our kids' growth and our growth, but just that we're all growing up at all, that we're all working on ourselves, that we're all trying to become more, more aware, more comfortable beings in the discomfort of, of doing that. Yeah. There's such a weird cultural expectation. It's like you graduate high school, college, what is it? Mm -hmm. And then you're like a fully formed human and you need to perform and behave and (laughs) connect perfectly all the time. And it's just fucking bullshit. This is lifelong stuff, y'all. Yeah, but people also talk about that the learning that happens when you become a parent being such a a process of unlearning. And I don't think that that's limited to parents. And that's why we have so many people who who don't have children in their lives necessarily or have children in other ways in their lives Mm -hmm. is they're unlearning as well because all of us were kids once. So we've got a lot of work to do, whether we intend to become parents or not. Or those people who are out there serving kids in other ways. We've got a lot of teachers in our community. We've got a lot of aunties and uncles (laughs) and besties. Yeah. Right. Um, Someone said, thank you both so much for the work you're doing. And thank you for offering that grace. I'm struggling to find clarity in the midst of working through a lot of old trauma. Yeah. You're feeling a lot right now. Someone asked about sensitive kids Absolutely. So control, connect, fear, trust. What was the last one? So it was, so we say connection over control, trust over fear, progress over perfection. And I think that's on our website somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our and kind of little trio it's model. Our, it's on our podcast, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's in our podcast intro. If you listen Maybe. to our podcast called upbringing also. <sighs> yeah. Someone else said, um, mentioned, honestly, once we learn how to break that cycle, it begins to translate to every single scenario, which I'm slowly learning. Yeah. It goes into like our, our partnerships, our friendships, our, our neighbor experiences, our work, mm-hmm. uh, dynamics. I was likening it recently. Yeah. <clears throat> Not just the, the kind of angle of or momentum of personal growth, but also of kind of divesting from systems you don't believe in through your parenting, through your, what are you spilling? Through your parenting, through your activities, through your schooling, through your, all of these things. It's like those times, you know, when you clean out your purse and you're like, Oh, it's all clean and fresh. I put everything back in and you're like, damn, that felt good. And you're like, what about that closet? Ooh, I'm just going to start pulling everything out of there and I'm going to do it. And then you're like, and the car, this is great. I can do this. And you grab all the trash bags and you get the car. You see everything out. with new eyes and you're motivated to change yeah. it. Yeah. You just, you can't not see it anymore. And it yeah. feels good to be working on it. Sometimes inter- it's, it's hard. called integration. That's no, what we're all doing. But it's also sometimes it feel, feels hard. Sometimes yeah. I do one thing in my house that feels organized and I can't unsee the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And I still don't have time to do it. And I don't have the energy to do it. And I wish I could just go back to being unconscious and just moving through the house without seeing any of it. And that's what a lot of people in our community say too. Some people say, I wish I'd never met you. Some people say, I wish I could just go back to parenting through control timeouts. It felt terrible, but I'm not seeing all the ways that I feel wrong all the time. Yeah. Right. And and that's why it's such brave work is, is just seeing more and trying to change more. That growth comes with, with Mm -hmm. a little discomfort, with pain, with regret, with some guilt sometimes, Mm -hmm. but it's all good too. Like a lot of us, the other uh, kind of tricky part of doing this work is thinking back. Mm-hmm. What the fuck did I do? Mm-hmm. Did I damage my kid? Did I ruin my kid? We hear from a lot of folks who feel like they've ruined their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not true. That's not true either. And so I just, I always want to, to mention that as well, that it's never too late to connect in a different way and use connection instead of control, the resist approach instead of the control approach. Um, and it's never, ever too late in any relationship to be doing this work. Um, and Kelty always talks about how it's not going to be, like we said, progress over perfection. It's not going to be like, oh, flip a switch and we're just 
doing it differently one day. All, all of a sudden, we're not using timeouts of consequences. We're just sensitive support staff, chilling, totally reacting fine. No. <laughs> this is a really long process, right? And and how it's kind of like a, a, a river. You call it like a stream yeah. rather than a staircase. It's easy to think yeah. of it like that binary way of yeah. like, okay, I made half a day forward. So three steps Without up. yelling. And yeah. then I screamed and slammed the door, did whatever. So I got demoted. And that's our culture that says you get a few things when you do well. Right. And then they're taken from you when you don't do well. And you feel shame for and it. And I just want right. to bust that whole fucking binary that, that punishes us for, for trying. Mm-hmm. And that tries to motivate us through lack. And it's just bullshit. So yeah, we're on the river, baby. We're coasting. Sometimes we get stuck in a little eddy, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we get beached and we're like, oh, right? But we're always moving. We're always flowing, Yeah, right? We're all on it with you too. Mm -hmm. Like I just want to think so much about this is that you're not alone. And I think that's why I've loved our wrapping up this spring, uh, this year almost of spirited kid clubs, which have been so fun. Our Mm -hmm. monthly small group coaching sessions. Um, we're not going to do more for November and December this year. So I wanted to announce that because it's just a little too much for, for us right now. Uh, but we're excited. We'll start, um, uh, kind of opening enrollment and doing yeah. all of that stuff for January, uh, and polling what times and days are best for everybody because we want it to, to work out. We had so many amazing folks and partners coming on as well. Mm-hmm. It's just been, it's so just nourishing and incredible, uh, to connect with you all. We're also hoping in the new year to have a membership community going and eventually a spirited, uh, kid course. So just wanted to like, um, put some, some, some hope out there that it's not just us talking into the void, but like some ways to connect a little bit more about yeah. all of this. We do still have one-on-one coaching. Yeah. And we'll bring your Q and A's onto the podcast, which we're doing right now. So someone else said, at what age do kids show they are sensitive? I think my little guy is, but I don't know if it's typical for three-year-olds to be more sensitive. Thank you in advance. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Babies more are born more sensitive. sensitive than, than, is always my maybe question. Maybe their sibling. Yeah. Maybe uh, your niece or nephew or a baby down the block. Yeah. Or whatever it is. I think all all kids are sensitive and spirited. All kids are on a on a spectrum of neurodiversity like of of <clears throat> temperament of different nervous systems. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. Yeah. Right. And so yeah, if you if you think that your kid might be sensitive sensitive. All kids are sensitive. It's really how much we're attuning to their sensitivities that matter, not how sensitive they are. Um, mm-hmm. So keep looking, keep listening, keep noticing. When I think about it too, like all of our kids are sen- are sensitive. I think that, that some sensitivities and in some different people ways. might say, well, oh my gosh, what do you mean by sensitive? sensitive? What, is, what does more sensitive mean? Right? So a few things that, that I've experienced with my kids from babies on, sensitivity to loud noises, like anything like can't even go into public bathrooms type situation. Sensitivity to itchy clothes or tags or socks not feeling right mm-hmm. or clothes being too scratchy or too stretchy or too baggy or mm-hmm. too wiggly or too whatever. Um, sensitivity to uh, social situations, right? Shyness, that's sensitivity, right? Mm-hmm. So needing a space, needing warm up time, needing acclimation, all of those things. Um, sensitivity mm-hmm. to what else? To judgment, sensitivity mm-hmm. to control. Yeah, it's right. huge. Sensitivity to things being put in their mouth, mm-hmm. toothbrushes, different mm-hmm. foods, different flavors. Sensitivity to you eating something around them. Mm-hmm. My son has uh, some misophonia, which Kelsey and I both have. My mm-hmm. husband has where we can't hear other people eating it. Like It's just like, oh my God, stop. It's like nails on chalkboard kind right. of deal. Uh, my son also, he'll say, that song feels sad. I can't hear it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, oh, I don't want to say this food is bad because I, I want to tell you in private. Mm-hmm. Or don't talk about my hair in front of me. It's mm-hmm. my body. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way they <clears throat> talked about my hair. There's so mm-hmm. many personal and interpersonal sensitivities that our kids show us. Mm-hmm. Sensitivity, you mentioned to temperatures, to textures, mm-hmm. right? To judgment, to, to control. To sound, to groups, to transitions, to new elements in their lives. Oh this gosh. is all kids, right? Yeah. This is all kids. Right? So and it's not a pathology. <clears throat> it's not like, Oh, if they're sensitive, I think a lot of the terms we, uh, we and a lot of folks use is like high needs, which is a really nice way of saying a pain in the ass. Or it's a nice need way to say, support those needs. I feel like some pathologies can be helpful in some ways because it tells parents, pay attention, support that shit. If they have high needs, you better fucking serve those needs. Sensitive to the way information is given, Mm -hmm. sensitive to 
So many different things, but I think someone wrote in recently said, thank you for raising awareness for high needs, babies, toddlers, and kids. I just learned about the term high needs and spirited and felt so alone before making this discovery. The jealousy of other parents' experiences and parenting journeys can be overwhelming at times. Slowly through learning, there are other others out there. I'm finding some acceptance. Again, thank you. And I would love a class geared toward older toddlers, which we're definitely mm. going to do. I love yeah. that. And I think but, that we, yeah. we say all kids are, are sensitive and all kids are spirited. They have spirits. But the way that our kids show up in the world or show up with us, or especially during different, diff, you know, different developmental stages or moments in their life um, or stressful situations can really vary. And I think that yeah. maybe a lot of people here can relate to that feeling of, having like the hard baby or the challenging kid who's bopping people or the loud kid at restaurants or, or the, the clingy, scared, the one shy you, one, the one you can't take anywhere because of this or can't go to the grocery store. Basically humans who don't fit into society's rigid standards of conformity mm-hmm. and obedience. And it's okay. And it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And it's okay. It's actually seeing these, the spiritedness, the sensitivity early on. We always tell parents, high five. You're so lucky mm-hmm. because your child is showing you who they are and what they need. We call it the inner wisdom and the inner authority. So knowing who they are, so that's the mm-hmm. sensitivity of, oh my goodness. And then showing you what they need. That's the inner authority and the spiritedness. Mm-hmm. Um, that can sometimes take people into their forties to figure out that shit. And your kid is showing you now That's what's so and crazy. you get to get on board basically, and figure that out. Basically babies and kids culturally are prized when they are quiet, nice, gentle, obedient, conform to all of our wishes and taught along and do what we want. Mm-hmm. Right. But in their adulthood, we prize them for all these other things. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's just, it's so hard to say, how can I look at at a child who is challenging me and challenging the status quo, challenging my assumptions of what a, a child should be doing, just challenging my expectations for, and for a day, my productivity, all of these things. My role as, as the perfect parent. As not just beautiful and wonderful and they're fucking right, but also superpowers. Mm-hmm. Truly, they are noticing all these things other kids are not noticing. They are expressing all of these other things that kids might not even think to express, might not feel the permission to express. They are bravely doing that. Sensitive and spirited kids are unicorns. They're incredible human beings. They're change makers. They're risk takers, Mm -hmm. right? They're advocates. They're they're co-advocates. They're activists. They're rule breakers. They're all those things. And I think I always want to have a little PSA for for the parents here who are doing their due diligence, even though they have kids who don't challenge them, who, you know, they say one thing and the kid goes, oh, and then they go do it. Okay. Right? All of those kids deserve the same approach as these sensitive and spirited Especially, kids. Especially almost more in some ways mm-hmm. to coax that inner wisdom and authority out of them mm-hmm. that can really easily be kind of dampened by the hierarchy in the home and by our natural control that we exert as parents with more power and privilege. Right. When it's easy to control someone, yeah. probably just going to do it a little more right. because it works and it's comfortable right. and it's flexible and it's easy. And then it conditions them to being controlled a right. lot more easily. So it can kind of kind of keep going. So all of this work is definitely, I would say, Cal, pertinent to everyone in whatever age and stage their child is um, to nurture that inner wisdom and authority that belongs in every child and exists in every child and every parent. Yeah. I think that that nurturing, that inner wisdom and authority begins with looking at our children as equals. Even within the parent-child dynamic where we have more responsibility, we can be looking at our children as an equal human being to us, mm-hmm. right? With rights, with freedoms. Like we have this freedoms mm-hmm. model on our website you can check out where our kids have the right to feel, to speak, to struggle, to play, to move, to know, to contribute. <clears throat> All of these things, these rights that our kids have that shouldn't just be granted when they walk out of the house at 18. When they have more power and privilege. Right. But, age, from, but from the get-go when we can be mm-hmm. building collaboration and contribution and connection and and yeah. all of these amazing skills, human to human, not just in those happy moments where we're skipping and baking cookies and cuddling on the couch reading, but in the hard moments, in the ones where we want to snap yeah. into that control toolbox and be like, this is not happening, or this feels so wrong, or you can't do this because, or we're hijacked by that conditioning or the trauma of our youth, mm-hmm. right, to reenact it, right? I would like to to even say that our kids aren't just human, our, our babies and our toddlers and our kids, they're actually superhuman in those early years. 
they're not just our equals. Mm-hmm. I would actually say in so many ways, they're our superiors. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the dynamic we have in our culture, because it's easier to control and shape and build and institutionalize these, these little kids, it, it goes against what truly is happening, which is they are like these wise sages who come out of the get-go unconditioned, which an unconditioned baby, it's child, pure. toddler, it is a pure yeah. human. It is literally doesn't have to be built. It is. And it actually gets unbuilt over time. That's the feeling and the belief that you and I have, Kel, yeah. is that our kids actually get deconstructed over time rather than constructed by society. They are whole and perfect. And then they're literally taken down little by little by little by little and shaped into something that isn't even human anymore. And those of us who don't feel human sometimes and are trying to get back to our own humanity, our own inner wisdom and authority, I think can connect to this idea in saying our kids and our babies and our toddlers are perfect. And we have to work with that perfection, right? However it challenges us. However it challenges us. That is the goal, right? And saying, how can we work and deconstruct ourselves in the process? You can't do it without deconstructing yourself. Right. In so many ways. Yeah. Someone said, so true. Um, One of our main goals is not to wreck our kids because they're already so in tune with themselves. I'm kind of jealous of them. Right? I know. They're so just unapologetically, gorgeously, amazingly themselves. Someone had asked about whether this kind of applies to preteens and teens too. And something we talk about often in our spirited kids groups, the small coaching groups, which really range within each group of eight parents or co-parents, age two to 14 is what we've had Mm -hmm. so far, even within one group, Mm -hmm. because it's all the same, right? Hygiene with a teenager, same as hygiene with a Mm two-year-old. Big feelings with a teenager, same as big feelings with a two-year-old. They might come out different ways. We might kind of support them slightly differently, but it's all the same. It's basically saying whatever my child is showing me is their fundamental right and is based on who they are and what they're needing. My job in response is to try to seek to meet that need in a connective, collaborative way, safe way, in a safe way. <laughs> yes, with my own boundaries, with limitations, <clears throat> while communicating expectations of society, of myself, whatever it is, but through conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. In I relationship. I love that. It's in relationship, which yeah. the, the hierarchy of the home is, is not in relationship in the way that really creates growth, mm-hmm. right? And change within the home, within the person and within the greater community. Um, I'd like to get back to how we actually show up before we wrap this up in those moments when our kids are struggling. So in this case, in this live Q&A and podcast, we're talking about kids who are hitting, babies and kids who are hitting when they're stressed out. And what does that sound like? What do we say? What do we do? Mm-hmm. And we can apply this to anything that they that they say or do at any age. We're talking about that universality. And not that there's a, a prescribed one-size-fits-all approach that applies to Let all me kids. just pull out my script. Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> but that but that we can find our own script that's new, that isn't replaying our childhood, that isn't replaying um, the workplace, that isn't replaying the movies and TVs that perpetuate this this kind of oppressive top-down. hierarchy, top-down approach. Mm-hmm. Power so, over approach. So I think so much about this is saying, let's get our minds open, just like choosing our own avatar mm-hmm. in how we show up in those roles with the words we use and the way we connect, we can't just apply the same method to every child because every child is unique. Mm-hmm. And we can't say the same things without sounding, feeling like we sound like an idiot or inauthentic mm-hmm. or just awkward and bumbling. Yeah. And so much of this process is finding a way to attune, not just to our child's needs, but to our own unique and authentic mm-hmm. way of communicating and connecting and co-regulating. But I love that that, like, that takes so much practice. And that's what it is, is this is the practice. Yeah. So when we get to a situation like this hitting thing or our kids mean words or a kid won't pick up, those moments that we talk about often in the Spirit Kids Club too, that ding ding of this keeps happening. This is feeling really shitty. What's pattern. going on? Yeah. Right. That's when we talk about ditching the script. Yeah. So all of a sudden we're saying these things and I'm just like, did I say that? Why am I saying that? Why do that? I sound like that? Yeah. Who is that? <laughs> yeah. Right? And then we say something and our kid says something. Then we say something and we're like, oh my God, it's happening Here we again. go again. And then I'm saying it and they're saying it. It's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Right. So those are the moments that we talk about just tearing up that script. And instead of thinking of 
are, are these moments of conflict as like a play that's like trying to be like hijacked by our kid and then back by us. We try to just say, let's just think of this as an improv routine. Let's think of all of parenting as improv in a good way. With awareness. It's alive. It's human. With right? Yeah, not improv like, I don't give a shit. I'm just trying this out. But improv, mm. I'm attuning. I'm noticing. I'm trying. It's live. I'm, I'm experimenting. It's not based <laughs> on inherited legacies of control. Yeah. It's real and pertinent to the humans or who are here in the room, mm-hmm. honoring their humanity yeah. right, and their needs and what they're bringing to the table. Yeah, but I like the idea the of thinking about these hard moments in our parenting as an improv routine because it says, you can experiment. It says... If it didn't come out yeah. sounding good this time, good next time. You can try you again. Can try again. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Right? If you took the, the act sideways and juggled off the stage, that's okay. That's fine. You'll get tomorrow night to try again. It's all good. If you want to talk about what it actually sounds like. I mean, so much about it is just, to us anyway, it sounds like to this, but it could sound differently to you. And I think mm-hmm. when we're, where we're trying to be that, that, um, self-regulating, co-regulating presence when our kids are hitting and struggling, so much about it is just saying calm voice, loving voice, right? Mm-hmm. Not fake voice, but just calm and loving voice. Oh, you're upset right now with what I said, maybe. Right. So you're a little curious and you're mm-hmm. validating, oh, right? It looks like maybe oh. you're wanting to hit. You're, you're like, you're definitely you're, wanting to hit, your but bodies, your body's needing to hit, right? You, and it, you don't want to always guess and judge what they're mm-hmm. doing, but you want to kind of key in and validate. You didn't like that. Okay. Okay. And then you set the loving boundary. I'm going to set you down right now. Okay. What can we do? Mm-hmm. Right. You're supporting. You're saying, how can I support or, you? I'm going to create some space between you and your sister mm-hmm. or, Oh, you were grabbing my hair about to hit. I'm, I'm going to set you down for a minute. Right. Or that's a little bit too tight on my neck mm-hmm. or, Oh, my glasses. I'm going to help you with my glasses. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, Oh, that surprised me. My glasses are on the ground. Whoa. Yeah. You're you got some big feelings. Or left. I, I saw you just hit your right. friend. I'm wondering if maybe we should kind of Head over here and just connect a little bit. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Let me help you over here so we can figure this out. Yeah. I like that word struggling. I like the word help. Mm -hmm. I like the word connect, um, connect, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the words. And I think in those moments, everyone's probably listening to this and being like, that sounds fucking crazy. No. Right. And I usually think, it's like you calm down. You yeah, do this. I, I think so much about it. Is or we just want to say stop. Or yeah. we want to say why. And I think if we're still at that point, which is totally cool. You're going to get to the more kind of adaptive language and supportive neutral language yeah. at some point, but it's, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. I think in those moments, let's back that up a little bit into our own moments yeah. of self-reg as we step into co-regulating our kids, where instead, if we can't say, I see you're struggling or whatever it is without being like, I see you're struggling, right? Yeah. We're going to take some deep breaths. We're going to nod. Maybe all we can do is nod, not no. Like we're we want to yes, the impulse you have, the needs you have that you're currently expressing mm-hmm. in a developmentally appropriate way are okay. Yeah. So I'm we might here not. to support you. Or we might say something like, okay, okay, okay. as we okay. put our kid down or right. okay, as we separate two kids or okay, as we guide a kid who just hit another kid away. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or hey, everyone. Okay, everyone. Yeah, but I think, How's it going? I think nodding, How's it going? nodding yes and yeah. okay are two things that... You can put on a sticky note or just, mm-hmm. if you can remember those two things, nodding yes and saying, okay, yeah. are going to influence the way you show up. Even if you have no words to describe the situation, to empathize, to validate, to move forward. It's a shit building. show. You can't it's discern terrible. anything because you're stressed. Just That's okay. No, just nod yes. Try to compose your face and say, okay. And okay. not only does that calm us down in those moments, but it also communicates to our kids that they're safe in their bodies, that they can calm down, that their brains can go from fight, flight, freeze, fawn into faint, yeah. you know, into that prefrontal cortex where they can yeah. work through it, feel safe in it, like gain some experience in navigating conflict. Yeah. But this is the point in a lot of our live Q and A's and a lot of our spirited kid coaching clubs or individual coaching sessions where someone says, let me get this straight. So you want me to Sorry. number one, normalize this negative thing. You want me to be like, this is like normal. Okay. 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 And then let me get this straight. Number two, you want me to create a positive association with this conflict. Like I'm accepting it and it's okay. That it's not negative. So you want me to, to what I usually want to do is say, this is not normal. And I want to say, this is is negative. This is not okay. Bad. So that's our instinct is to 
not normalize it and to not positive associate it. Right. And Accept like it. it. Basically. Ba- like, right. yes. So yes. Yeah. While we say okay <laughs> and nod yes, we need to be thinking normalize and positive associations. It right. goes against every fiber of our being, which screams, <clears throat> make this shit show end. Stop doing this incredibly triggering thing that throws me into fear spiral, that makes me feel like a terrible parent, makes me worry about who you'll be, like how you'll show up in the world. Can you keep a job? Can you be a sensitive lover? Can you be a good neighbor? Will you be a citizen of the world? It throws into into question, question all of those things all in one moment, right? Mm-hmm. And we want to say yes. 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 That's actually how they'll learn the best is feeling safe in relationship and in their bodies. Yeah. That is the only way people feel good to do good. That they grow through the conflict. Someone says, ha ha ha, I'm dying. <laughs> um, this is just our spiel. This is, this is what we talk about. The shit show is so real. It totally is. We can absolutely connect with yes. you about it. Someone said, yes. I love the idea of improv. So much levity and creativity in that. Yes. This improv routine can be in any moment, yeah. right? It can be. When our kids are trying to hit us, it can be when our kids are screaming mean words at us or a sibling attacking a sibling, when they refuse to brush their teeth or get in bed, when they're delaying bed mm-hmm. and needing this and needing that and I moving mean, their legs and doing the jumping or when they resist yeah. school and they can't find their stuff mm-hmm. or they say, I don't need homework or they won't put the screen away. Yeah. All of this can be an improv routine. Well, and when you're talking about script and improv routine, Kelsey, as we wrap this up, I think we keep thinking that the idea in our mind and the cultural expectations are the script when really who our kid is and what they're showing us that they need is our script. And we forget that we forget that we have to go with our kids lead to understand what the fuck is going on on stage. Mm-hmm. They the whole, are the leader. The whole, they're the director and the main actor. That's what the right? whole, they're the answer. The right? whole principle. Oh, of, Hey Erica. Hey, Erica. The whole principle of improv is yes and. And right. the whole principle of traditional parenting is no but, mm-hmm. right? Or no and, or right. my idea but, whatever it is. Someone said, how can you learn improv and being funny and light? Oh, you can man. only learn it by practicing it, yeah. right? The more you practice it, the more you can be like, then maybe on some crazy show. There's like cameras and people are watching this and people are laughing. And 30 Rock right now. People are being tickled by this situation Mm -hmm. that I'm enduring with my kids right now. And it basically helps us pull ourselves above the matrix. Get out of our hind reactive I'm on a TV show. I'm in an improv routine. This is life, but it's not like literary fiction situation. Miranda July is like writing about me right now. But it's really, it's a a process of separating ego from self. Mm-hmm. And it's saying, how can I, how can I engage in this with this other person who's challenging me in all these ways in a way that doesn't have anything to do with my own sense of self-worth or theirs? And that's the big ask in these moments is divorcing those things mm-hmm. from ourselves and from our kids. They're just struggling. It has nothing to do with their self-worth either or f- current or future. <laughs> nothing yeah. at all. It's a struggling little human being, which often creates a struggling bigger being or vice versa. Let's be honest. Right. Often we create a struggling little human. Oh, just bundles humans. of nerves, everybody. I feel like we should wrap it up with that. Get back to the nervous system. I just love talking about wrap the, nervous it up with system. the nervous system. That we are all bundles of nerves. We're all living, breathing, alive, ever-changing beings. We're not predestined based on any script. We are living and breathing and changing and moving and connecting moment to moment to moment. And that's where the beauty lies. That's where the connection lies. That's where the magic is. And that's where the humor and, and connection really is as well. Yeah. In this being here now, living life alongside our kids, getting out of our heads and into our bodies, mm-hmm. getting into our kids' bodies and understanding their bodies and our bodies, because that is the real answer to so much of this stuff mm-hmm. is getting out of our predetermined cognitive biases and conditioning. Our brains do not serve us in these moments, in the moment. Really, they're more outside the moment supportive things, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea of just saying like, it's hard to be in your body and to respect your body when you feel you're being hijacked by it. And so I think that that's really what it is, is saying, how can we help our kids kind of not be at war with their nervous systems and also be reconditioning ourselves to connect with our own? At the same time, it's a tandem job is saying, 
How can I be working on my calming strategies? How can I be working on my self-care routine? How can I be working on integrating my own nervous system through exercise, through shower and self-care, through connective relationships, through sex, through exercise, whatever it is that my nervous system is needing to help me feel integrated and relaxed. We've all been the sliding doors of, wow, my kid did this. And one time it was pretty cool. I handled that pretty good. Next time that happened, I monster oh. bitch. Yeah. What was the difference? It usually comes down to our yes. nervous systems, right? So what was different about it? Right. And then that's how can, where our power lies. And then right? how can we be looking at our kids, not as behaviors, not as signals for maladaptive or misbehaving Diagnoses. or any of these things, yeah. but also as that same bundle of nerves. And how can we instead be kind of attuning them to those. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, I need you to, or you have to, or stop this saying, what are you needing? Mm -hmm. How are you feeling? What's going on in here? What's going on in here? And just asking a question is so freeing instead of demanding something Mm -hmm. and needing something or, or pushing our kids Mm -hmm. in a way that they don't need. And it's doing them a service as well. So they grow up to people who, who think when they're stressed, when they're going through something, I wonder what I'm needing. Do I need a workout? Do I need um, not I suck or someone else <laughs> right. sucks? Do I need to meditate? Do I need a break from this person? Is this a toxic friendship? Do I need to tell <clears> my <throat> boss that I need some space or an, or an extension? Right. What am but I needing? I think what you're, you're keying in on here, Kel, is awareness. Mm-hmm. And I think awareness in our culture, which is white male dominated, sounds permissive and unproductive mm-hmm. and That's pansy and pansy. Yeah. But the power of awareness is literally fucking game changing. When we can become aware of our (coughs) bodies, our triggers, our upbringings, our our needs needs in the moment. And when we can attune and become aware of our kids, because when we can become aware of our kids needs, right, they can become aware of their needs. And when people are aware of needs, they don't do wild shit. They hold their shit together and communicate it adaptively. That's what's so hard. Awareness is that literally the key to like world peace. (laughs) Seriously, let alone a harmony in the home. That's what shows our misalignment in beliefs, values, ideals, and our actual approach is we look at our kids doing these wild things, the challenging behaviors, the resistance, the mean words, all these things. And we think Jerry Springer show, like obviously, right? But all the people who are on the Jerry Springer show never had somebody saying, what are you needing? What's going on in here? He said this, and then you said this. Basically being like a therapist figure. No shame, no blame. No. What's going on with the root cause of your situation? Yeah. Right? That's why they're on the show, because they're just like, I don't know, and I'm mad at her, and I'm fucked up by him, and ugh. It's all symptoms of a deeper struggle that many of us have never understood until our 20s, 30s, 40s, right? And are just getting to understand now, and then we get to support our kids in that way and say, I'm going to help you get to the root cause of you and your needs, because Mm -hmm. that is the key to adaptive relationships, to a sturdy and strong self-concept, right? Mm -hmm. To being able to feel like your needs are met to the point that you can advocate for other people's needs who aren't getting met. That's the name of the game here. But it does hand, like you said before, as we wrap this up, it does feel so permissive. That little white dude on our shoulder is like, you're doing what? Like, so they're destroying the house. They're hurting their sibling. They're saying these disrespectful things to you. And, and you're turning towards them and saying, how are you? (laughs) That is so unpermissive. That is just terrible. You, Mm -hmm. you got to show them who's boss. You got to show them what's what you got to get them in line because that is not cool. Well, and many of us were coached that way. And Mm -hmm. I want to like bring in some water polo metaphors here for our, our friend Erica. But I think we all know that we've all been in institutions where, Shit gets done and behaviors are changed, Mm -hmm. but where humans are left um, floating, where humans are left adrift, Mm -hmm. where humans are left feeling disconnected, right? And I think so much about this is getting deeper and looking under the surface, like we always talk about and saying, what's really at play here? Because that's where the real work lies. It's not what's happening above, it's what's happening underneath. That's where the work is as parents. Right. And we don't do that with everyone in our lives. We're not everyone's bitch. Right. Mm -hmm. But we are responsible in supporting our kids in this way as our attachment figure. And it's a different relationship that none of us has ever had to do. And it feels very permissive and codependent and wussy. Right. 
to, to have that and allow that kind of democratic, trusting, respect-based relationship. Mm-hmm. But that's what builds self-concepts. That's what's building and raising a new generation in our minds and a lot of other minds. We're not the only ones here. No, so. we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all for being here tonight. This was really fun. Send us a DM. We're going to be doing more story, um, mm-hmm. kind of like single action, three minute. Mm-hmm. What's going on with you? What's the situation kind of things. Yeah. Um, we're here. You're not alone. You're doing an amazing job. Again, control, uh, connection over control, trust over fear, progress over perfection. Mm-hmm. We're all in this together. We're all growing up together. Thanks for being here so much. Someone said, thank you so much. Amazing as always. Thanks for being here. We love you all. We're all in this together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We will see you next week. Bye.